Welcome everyone to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me as always is my non-fuddy-duddy buddy, Brian. Today, we're talking all about the two oldest coasters at Six Flags Over Georgia, the Dolanega Mine Train and Great American Scream Machine. Non-fuddy-duddy buddy, Ryan, how are you doing today? Well, I'd be lying if I said that this was the first time that descriptor has ever been used for me. I, You know, non-fuddy-duddy Ryan over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been uh, doing all right, ready to get back into the wonderful world of theme parks with you today, Matthew. Heck yes, I am super excited. And again, we've got a special one for you all listeners today. Today, we're going to be talking about not one, but two roller coasters at Six Flags Over Georgia. So let's just jump into it. We got a lot to cover. Are you ready? Absolutely. Two for the price of one. And the price of one is nothing because this is a free podcast. (laughs) All right. So the first we're going to start with is the Dolanega Mine Train. And I'll go ahead and preface this with saying, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. I grew up always pronouncing it Dolanega. Um, so I'm probably going to go back and forth in this episode. So just going to go ahead and preface this. Go ahead and get out of there before all the comments. This is the canonical Q for two pronunciation and outside of Q for two. It's whatever. But you heard it here first in the episode. There's a canonical way to say it. <laughs> all right. So the Dalanaga mine train opened in 1967 when the park first opened. So again, day one attraction. This attraction is still running today. It has a max speed of 35 miles per hour, is only 37 feet tall, is 2,323 feet long, and has a duration of 2 minutes and 51 seconds. Now, if you were looking at it on the map, if you're trying to figure out, I'm at Six Flags today, where is this ride? It's located in Peachtree Square, around the corner from Acrophobia and the Marthasville Railroad Station. Now, one thing I'll point out, and we'll bring it up later, but I want you to remember this. If you're looking at the map, this ride is listed in the family ride section. Okay, this is going to be important. I'm bringing this up later. So remember, family ride section of the park. Roller coaster, family ride. Noted. Before we get into the history, my favorite part, let's dive into the ride description. Travel back to the days of the Georgia Gold Rush, when brave prospectors traveled deep into the mountains looking for those elusive golden nuggets. Did you know the very first gold rush in the U.S. happened right here in Georgia, in a town called Dahlonega? These early adventurers staked a claim for fortune and glory. Now you get to tag along for the ride. You'll dive into an old mining car for this crazy ride through the treacherous hills of the frontier. Launched in 1967, The Dahlonega Mine Train was one of the very first roller coasters at Six Flags Over Georgia, and this family favorite is as fun today as it was the day it opened. From a peak height of 37 feet, you'll dive into the hill-hugging curves of an amazing figure eight, then a series of wind-blasting rises and dips will lift you out of your seat as you barrel through the countryside. You'll fly high through the trees and then plummet around a bend into a spiral on this classic Georgia course. Your runaway mine car cooks through the wilderness at 35 miles per hour building into a giant horseshoe turn and tunnel dive. Okay, you haven't found any gold yet, so you better ride it again. I'm going to have to get back on. I haven't found any gold. (laughs) 
If you find it, let me know, because I've been on that ride <laughs> so many times. <laughs> they snuck in a nice little history lesson for Georgia in there, too. That was a nice, subtle gold history lesson that they gave us. Yeah, and it was really cool to hear because, again, there's not a lot of theming when it comes to Six Flags Parks, as we've talked about. A lot of these rides are just sort of there. But to see that this one's been there since opening day and is actually named after the big town, like not far in Georgia, you know, there are other mine cart rides. But to see that that actually has some type of history and that it's actually tied to that, that is super interesting. It was a really cool way, and especially to keep its name today. That's a really cool touch. For sure. One of the other things I thought was neat about the description is that they specifically mentioned the trees around the ride. Because I feel like other than the water rides, which we're going to talk about in a future episode, spoiler alert, but other than those rides, I feel like most of the Six Flags rides, you really don't get the sense of traveling through trees or through nature. And that was always something I liked about this one. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's one of the ways that, again, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Superman, that they use the natural landscape of the parks. They're in Georgia, got all these hills, got all these trees. And this ride definitely uses the natural landscape and the layout of the land compared to just digging out a hole and putting a coaster there. They really sort of use the design. And I think it works well. Now, with the terms... There's not really a lot of terms in here, like with some of the larger coasters. The two that I want to call out are figure eight and horseshoe turn. Again, self-explanatory. A figure eight just being those two track circles looping to form the shape of a number eight. Again, not a loop-de-loop. You know, you're not going upside down, but it is going around these two circles. And then horseshoe turn, exactly what it sounds like. One large turn forming the uh, shape of a horseshoe or the letter U for those of you that are not uh, cowboy fluent. Both of these are very fun, gives you a lot of turns in this ride. And for it to be a family thrill ride, you know, it's pretty exhilarating from my experience. Yeah, I think for, like you said, being such a simple coaster and being marketed as a family attraction, it's still a lot of fun. You get some thrills and the parts where you pick up speed and you're hitting that 35 miles per hour that it talks about, you definitely feel it. You feel those moments when you're going faster. Now we'll dive into the history. So you have to start with the history of this ride with the manufacturer, Aerodynamics. Now, does that name ring a bell, Ryan? It does. We've talked about Aerodynamics a couple of different times, if memory serves. We definitely have. So Aerodynamics is huge in the roller coaster and the ride world when it comes to being a manufacturer. So their first coaster, which I thought was really important, was actually the Matterhorn bobsleds at Disneyland in 1959. After that, you know, they had a couple others. They actually built the first mine train coaster at Six Flags Over Texas in 1966. The year later, then followed with our coaster at Six Flags Over Georgia in 1967. And it was actually part of a large sweep of mine trains built across the U.S. It's one of the first two And then they started going over the next, you know, three, four, five years, building mine train type coasters uh, across the U.S., different Six Flags parks and that sort of thing. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Not anyone that has a specific Dahlonega mine train naming, but it was an interesting fact to see that they took this design and they ran with it because it was super popular. And Matthew, now that you're talking about them making several other minecar attractions, if memory serves, I think we actually talked about them in our Thunder Mountain episode. I think the company had a role to play because I remember us talking about 
other minecar attractions like Thunder Mountain. Yep. So that is definitely one of the rides that I was going to point out. So perfect. You're reading my notes again. <laughs> so yeah, Aero Development, as it's named, one of the things that was a little confusing, Aerodynamics has changed a bunch of different names throughout the years, and I believe they fully closed out in 2001. Along with Thunder Mountain, there's a couple other ones that I do want to point out that we're really big on. So first, Space Mountain at Magic Kingdom. So another of the mountains, they've got the Loch Ness Monster, which is at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. That is one of my you know, newer rides that I've been riding over the past couple of years, and it is very fun. And the last one we've both ridden and we've mentioned before, the Tennessee Tornado at Dollywood. Mm-hmm. So again... There are way more coasters that they've built. It's not just these, but for us, I wanted to mention these four that we talked about here, just as like a, they're all over the place for us, for sure. It's definitely fun to shout out the ones that we're more familiar with, but I know, like you said, that company has a ton of coasters under their belt. They've got quite the impressive resume. (laughs) For sure. Now, looking into when the park initially had this ride open, what I found interesting was originally it ran four trains and that allowed them to get to 2200 riders per hour in the middle of the 1990s however they refurbished it that new system that they refurbished it with can only hold three trains and so that's the max that they're running even to this day and it drops it down from 2200 riders per hour down to 1300 if all three trains are running so it's a pretty significant drop down but if you ever see like this ride can get through 2200. Some of those numbers are not updated since, you know, they never went back and re-added that since they dropped down from four trains down to three. Interesting. Okay. With this refurb, not going to go too deep into it, but, you know, we've talked about refurbs before on coasters and specifically like with Cyclone, they replaced a lot of the track as a wooden track with steel track. What I found most interesting about this refurb was that this ride actually always used steel tubular rails standard, you know, with other mine train designs. So that was part of the whole mine train cart. The wood on the coaster was always just for supports. So when they did the refurb, they didn't really replace any of the track, you know, with anything separate. They might have replaced parts and pieces that needed it, but it's not like they replaced a wooden track with a steel track. They replaced some of the wooden supports for steel. So the look of the coaster is still pretty woody today, but all that wood is pretty much just ornamental. Everything else along the ride, whether it's the you know, supports or the rails, are all steel now. So that was really the biggest thing about the refurb, which I thought was pretty interesting for a coaster that's been open you know, since the park opened. And I will say with you kind of priming us with some of the history, I know that the Matterhorn bobsled, one of the first coasters that they worked on before they did Dahlonega Mine Train, was special for the time because... It was the first roller coaster of that design to use that metal tubular tracking. And so I guess once they kind of hit gold with that model, they just carried that forward. So that makes total sense. And once they hit gold, what's the next possible way to go? Mine carts. Because they hit gold and they just kept on going. And then they get us. We don't hit any gold, so we just have to keep riding and keep hoping that we're (laughs) going to strike it rich. Now, speaking of these mine carts... So for those of you who have never ridden these, they are not the biggest or most comfortable seats in the park. They actually have only a single lap bar. So this is sort of getting into the tips for this ride. If you have someone that's a completely different size than you, say if you're riding with a child, um, it can make for a pretty interesting ride when the lap bar really is not 
going all the way down for them because you're supporting it up. So, you know, nobody's really going to go flying out, but just be aware that this something that could happen, you're going to slide around the seat pretty heavily if, you know, the size differential is there. But it's pretty nice. So if you're a bigger guy like me to get into the carts, what they actually do is you can just ask the employee and they go around back and they bring out a massive shoehorn and they hope you like wedge yourself into the cart. <laughs> no, but I 100% agree with Matthew. These cars are a bit smaller and it was definitely a tighter fit. And so it, like Matthew said, if you're sharing the seat with somebody smaller, that lap bar isn't going to come down quite right. Oh, yeah. Now, with this ride, I'll end us on this before we get into our next coaster. I absolutely loved this ride when I was a kid. Before I was brave enough to ride the Cyclone or the Scream Machine, I remember my mom and I riding this ride over and over again, what felt like hours. You know, we probably only rode it five times. But we really got our money's worth on that one. And it to me, as you know, an adult now to go back, it's been a while. But every once in a while, I still like to get a chance to go ride it. You know, it's not one that I have to ride every time. And it's not one that if you're going to the park for the first time, you should hit unless, you know, you get the chance. It's a big nostalgia piece for me. But if you have kids, oh, man, what a ride. Because not only is it their first, potentially their first coaster, it's pretty zippy. It's not a boring kitty coaster. It's actually got some speed to it, and it's a really good time for all. Absolutely. And I'll say as somebody that doesn't have any nostalgia factor with this ride, the first time I rode this was when I was an adult going to the theme park with you, Matthew. And I mean, for being a more family-friendly coaster, it is a fun ride. I would never wait in line to ride this, but <laughs> hey, when there's no waiting queue and we can walk right on, I've been known to get on this ride every now and again, and it's a good time. Before we move on, the only other tip that I've got is because this ride, it is zippy, but there's no flips or anything on it like we talked about earlier. So for me, it's always a good one once you're done eating. If you don't want to go on to one of the big coasters or anything super high thrill right after you're done eating, this is the perfect way to spend your time getting you a little bit of, you know, get your money's worth for your park, not just sit there for an hour letting your food digest. It's a pretty good one where, for me, you're not going to worry about throwing up your lunch or anything like that to say it uh, <laughs> nicely. I would really like to accentuate that Matthew is talking about this coaster being zippy. Do not think, because this coaster does not have any inversions, that you can wear your hat on this ride. <laughs> it is a bad idea. If you want First-hand proof, go check out the ride video on the Q42 Ride channel. Last time I rode this ride was when I took that video for the channel. Dude in front of me, hat flew clean off, right off the ride. You can see it right near the end of the video. Don't be like that guy. Take your hat off. Don't lose it. Yep, and sit back and enjoy it. Put your hands up. Enjoy those hills. Enjoy those tunnels. It's a really good time. All right, let's jump into our second, which is the Great American Scream Machine. Opening. In 1973, at 57 miles per hour, 104 feet tall, 3,800 feet long, and a duration of two minutes. Again, if you're looking at the map and you're wondering where is this coaster, it is located in Lick Skillet between Blue Hawk and Superman slash Hurricane Harbor. So it's over there pretty much right next to Blue Hawk, Old Ninja that we talked about earlier in the season. And this is where I want you to remember. This ride is listed under the thrill ride section of the map, not the family section. 
And this is where I say that they cheated Dalanega Mine Train out of its category. That ride deserves to be up there with all of the coasters because it's a coaster through and through. It deserves to be in the thrilling section, and I'll die on that hill. I wonder why they don't put Scream Machine in family. Is it just because of the top speed that you reach? Do you go faster on that one than Dalanega? Yeah, so you definitely go faster, and obviously it's higher. So 57 miles per hour compared to the 35, over 100 feet compared to only 37 feet. And then the length and the duration is, you know, not, they're pretty comparable. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just the speed and the length. I understand why they gave it to him. It's definitely more of a thrill. It's more of a coaster's coaster, but darn it, justice for the mine train. (laughs) All right. So speaking of the Great American Scream Machine, let's jump into my favorite part, the ride description. Ah! Gotta, gotta kick it off with a scream. It's the, it's the scream machine. Crickets. This classic wooden roller coaster has been an instantly recognizable landmark for almost five decades of riders at Six Flags Over Georgia. There's no mistaking the profile of the legendary classic ride, perfectly named the Great American Scream Machine. This gargantuan creature was built in 1973. It rolls out over 3,800 feet of track that you will have you screaming from the moment you leave the station on your initial climb up to a dizzying 105 feet. This was sure steep back in 1973, and it's still steep now. This historic wooden coaster has been designated as a National Roller Coaster Landmark by American coaster enthusiasts. The very long out-and-back layout of this red, white, and blue track will give you the sense of a never-ending joyride through the air. You'll swoop with great confidence and power over every rise and fall just like generations before you. Make sure you scream loud on this timeless American classic. I just can't hear that description and not think of some old man standing out front of the scream machine, looking at that incline, being like, well, this was sure steep in 1973. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. This is a little bit later in my history, but I'll go ahead and jump into it now. It's funny that this ride description really just hits on a lot of the history facts and the cool features about it. They don't really describe what it is because there's not really much to this. When this ride opened in 1973, it actually opened as the tallest, longest, and fastest roller coaster in the world. Wow. So when they say back in 1973, they mean it. They are really tying into that. We had the record, don't know for how long, but they had it. That's interesting because I I don't know. I'd be interested to see like a flow chart or something like that of how quickly those records would come and go for different parks because i feel like the wooden roller coasters in that era when a lot more theme parks were popping up they were building those things and in some places tearing them down or having them burned down by mistake pretty rapidly in uh that theme park craze of i think that was the 70s and the 80s and it's crazy to think about that this ride is as well maintained and still functional as it is today. We've seen and we've talked about wooden coasters not being long lasting. And somehow they have kept this one rocking and rolling. And maybe it's just because of the simplicity of going back and forth. You know, it's nothing too crazy, but it still blows my mind that this thing is running as well as it is today. I'm surprised too, especially because of the location in the South. I would think in. Georgia, that with a lot of the humidity that we get down here in the South, that that would be detrimental to a wooden coaster. 
So that is interesting. It, they must have put some maintenance work into it, some refurbishment work, and given it that little extra love and care to make sure that it survived and gives us thrills to this day. Oh, yeah. This ride was manufactured by, not the aerodynamics, by a company called Philadelphia Toboggan Company. What I found interesting about this, there weren't a lot of coasters that I was super familiar with. They did a lot of wooden coasters throughout the year. There are two pieces that I wanted to call out. The first, they've been making roller coasters since 1904. They date back that far. (laughs) And they're still making coasters to this day. They're still in business. They do a lot of, they sell different parts and pieces. They do make full coasters. It's sort of a different business than it was back in 1904 for sure. Again, didn't really make too many coasters that I was super familiar with, but they did also work on the Riverview Carousel at Six Flags Over Georgia. So I did find that really interesting because I know you're obsessed with your carousels. You got a, you know, another foreshadowing. There's a carousel episode coming Q for two future. Now, I'm not an enthusiast for riding carousels, but I do think a lot of carousels have interesting history. And that is not a piece of history I knew about the carousel at Six Flags. So I'm going to have to pencil that in my notes. Yeah, and I wasn't able to really determine. I don't know if they built it or if they just moved it. Because I know we've talked about in the past, a lot of the carousels get moved around from place to place, depending on how there was. So, um, But I did find that was interesting. They definitely played a part. They've got a whole section of their website dedicated to the you know carousels that they've worked on. And I think they're numbered in the sense of, I guess there's some carousel numbering system out there. So like there's an official number for this carousel. So again, I'm not going to dive huh. too deep into it, but I'm excited to see what you come back with when we do eventually get to the carousel episode. This is the moment in time that I'm learning about numbering carousels. So in the future, when I tie this in and talk about it, y'all heard it here first. I'm learning about this in real time right now. And when Ryan does the research and tells me that I made that up, then I'll I'll go back and say, well, I guess I made it up. (laughs) But for now, that's what I found. So we're going to stick with it. We got you on the edge of your seat. Stay (laughs) tuned. So not only that, like we talked about a minute ago, this opened up as the tallest, fastest and longest in the world. Now, that designation that they talked about in the description, this came in 2017 from the American Coaster Enthusiast. They designated it as a landmark because it was the first wooden coaster built by Six Flags, and it was so well-maintained. So because they kept up with it, like we talked about a minute ago, that is part of what led into them you know, designating it as a full-on landmark, which is amazing to think, because you know, never seen the Great Pyramids, never seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but man, I rode on a landmark roller coaster at Six Flags <laughs> over Georgia. The ninth wonder of the world. <laughs> Now, when we talk about awards for this, again, sadly, no awards that I could find for the mine train, but this ride actually did get in the awards for their golden ticket awards, and it topped out at 40th in the top wooden roller coasters back in 2006. So it went up and down 43, 45, 46 in that time frame in the early 2000s, and like I said, topped out at 40th, which... I feel like at that point, after you know the ride has been open over 30 years, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I would be interesting to see the criteria for ranking wooden coasters. I feel like there's a lot of different parameters that you could rank them on. So that's 
That's interesting. It was hovering in the 40s for so long. Yeah, you would think speed, height, it's got to be something along the lines of smoothness. And we'll talk about it in a minute. This ride is not the smoothest wooden coaster that we've talked about, but that's just wooden coasters in general. So yeah, I'd be curious to see. There's probably descriptors out there. Maybe we need to do a deep dive and figure out what's their grading scale. I want to know who's on the panel for making the criteria, because if one of the panelists is a termite, maybe taste is a factor. Who knows? <laughs> it's Mr. Arrow and Mr. Dynamics. Come on, they're they're on the, the board. Oh, it's that little termite from, uh, what's that movie with the old animated movie with Christopher Columbus and the termite? Oh, you lost me. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about, where he eats the corners of the cube globe and is like, it's a sphere. I have no idea what you're talking about. I gotta dig out my old VHS tapes. I gotta... Goodness. I got you on the edge of your seats again. Stay tuned, folks. All right. Back to what you all came for. We love a tangent, <laughs> but let's get back into it. So. One of the things I find most interesting about this ride is there's a few odds and ends when it comes to ways that they, you know, events around the ride, uh, different ways that they've done things with it. So one thing that they did back in 1993 was that they ran the coaster backwards. So they obviously don't run the car, you know, backwards on the track, but they flip the car around. So you're seated backwards and then go up the hill and go down it. So they did this in 1993 for their 20th anniversary. They also did it in 2018 for the 45th anniversary. And, you know, I had a conversation with my wife because I feel like we wrote it. She says that she is very certain that we did. So I'm going to say my again, we've talked about this. Memory's not the best, but we did it and it was awesome. So if you get the chance to maybe in 60th anniversary, write it in 2033, I think that math checks out. You should definitely get a chance to go ride that ride going backwards because, again, a very cool way to do it. It's a very interesting take on an old coaster. Now, I know I for sure did not ride it because I remember when we had the season pass for the 2017 season, I did not renew my pass next year. But I remember you all did. And I'm pretty sure I remember you talking about when they were doing that with the screen machine. So I will also corroborate the story that I believe you wrote it backwards. Fantastic. This is why you have friends with better memory than you folks. That's the, <laughs> the main point of this podcast is to make friends that have better memories than you. <laughs> Other events, you know, we talked about them running it backwards. This is one I had a lot of trouble finding information on. So every so often, Six Flags Over Georgia participates in a coaster thon. They've done this with different coasters, Mindbender being one that they've done it on that, you know, more frequently that I've seen. I found an instance where they did this in 1998 on the Great American Scream Machine. Looking at, there was an old CNN article that I found from the local newspaper for this event. Three people won a Jeep Wrangler after they called the competition at 60 days with no clear winner. It got to the point where they rode this ride for 60 days. Not like 60 days, 24 hours straight. Like how many hours of the day were they riding? This? I'm, I'm glad you asked. So the trio got hourly five minute breaks and lunch and dinner breaks of 45 minutes each. Then they slept for seven hours each night on a platform near the coaster. So for 60 days, they didn't have to go home. They slept on the platform. They rode the ride with five-minute breaks and their 45-minute lunch breaks, 
and they wrote it for 60 days. All three competitors said they would have kept going, but the competition finally had to end, and so they gave all of them a Jeep Wrangler, which at the time was $16,000. So, what a time. Okay, I want to know... Were these people partially in it because they're roller coaster enthusiasts and wanted to be on the map for like doing this achievement? Or how bad did these people want a Jeep Wrangler? They really wanted a Jeep Wrangler. I think it was said there was 20 people total to start and we got down to three. So heck yeah, man. I can't imagine just dipping out of my life for 60 days. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. What oh, dedication. Yeah. At the time when they did this, they broke the American record, which is 11 straight days. And then they broke the world record of 23 straight days. Yeah, they really smashed both of those, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They don't have the record anymore. I don't remember what it was. I think there's like one guy that's got the record for like several of those categories. Um, I want to say he was in like the 400 something hour range when it comes to like consecutive. So I didn't look up too much into it, but I did see that they don't have the record anymore. So sadly, but if you get the chance, go out there and ride that coaster and tag Q for two, because let us know and we will support you. We will send you our love. Go ride that coaster for as long as you can. We'll get you one of those uh, little care packages on the parachute, like in the Hunger Games. Perfect time for the new movie. Glad we're sponsored by the new <laughs> Ballad of Songbird and Snakes movie. Date this How podcast. topical. <laughs> you know we love to date the podcast. So that is all I've got from a history perspective of this amazing ride. Again, from my perspective, this is a really fun wooden old coaster. They're not for everybody. You know, wooden coasters are rough. They can be maintained, and this one is maintained, but at the end of the day, They are rough from age, and so they're just not for everybody. But this ride has a lot of ups and downs, but it's nothing that's, you know, no loops, no crazy turns or anything that crazy. Still a phenomenal ride, but it's not anything that you're going to, like, get completely beat up on. I've been beaten up worse on Ninja slash Blue Hawk than I have on this one. Yeah, I will say the ups and downs are jarring and a bit rough. I will add the caveat even so rough that they may or may not have forced my finger down on the stop record button for my camera. (laughs) So you may or may not see three little slices where there's a technical error in the film recording of this ride. So that goes to show you how much force you're getting when you go up and down on those loops. But overall, this ride isn't too rough. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm just losing it. Maybe this is just looking in the rearview mirror or whatever. I feel like it was rougher in 2017 than it was when I wrote it in 2022. I think that's just my perception. I don't think there were any big renovations or big changes. I don't know. I just remember it being a lot rougher. You know, not that I saw, but again, they did get that landmark designation in 2017. So maybe after they got that designation, they bumped it up and really started making sure they were taking care of it. Maybe that's what it was. Put some grease on the wheels, did a little spit shine on that track. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And again, weight, not usually too bad on this coaster, not compared to some of your other ones, Goliaths and everything. And if you're a fan of wooden coasters, definitely ride it. It's definitely one to put up there with some of my other favorite wooden coasters, not only at Six Flags, but you know around the country that places we've been to. So it's definitely a good one. That 
let yourself enjoy and don't be afraid to scream like a machine in america that is great that's how you use your intellectual property (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that we're obviously losing it so i think that is all i've got ryan unless you've got anything else to add for us i think i will let you get us out of here all right well that cue went faster than expected we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new about these historic rides As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with these attractions or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation, or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram, at q for 2 That's at Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O, q for 2 You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All the links can be found in the episode description below. Now... Go catch that ride, and we'll see you in the next Q for Two. Justice for Mine Train! <laughs>